Onus Playhouse presents Serene Dominic Gets Played. With your host, Serene Dominic and Steve Asena. Hey everybody, this is Serene Dominic, um, and this is the fourth installment uh, of the Serene Dominic Gets Played uh, podcast overview. Uh, it's the fourth album I recorded at home, and it's the fourth of uh, seven consecutive albums that I recorded from start to finish, or eight, I think, uh, for the RPM Challenge in the month of February. And uh, four albums in, I think I was trying to be more, um, prof- I, I think more professional in terms of the sound quality. Um, I, I really think I kind of upped my game, you know, got better microphones and, and everything, and, and uh, you know, just just was very conscious of, 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 of getting a quality sound on everything. Although now I'm hearing all sorts of imperfections that make me want to go back and uh, fix it. And it would be worth fixing, too, too because uh, um, I think it's a really strong record, although I don't remember people you know, in my immediate circle, like, pointing at it and saying, oh, this is a really good record or whatever, uh, but I just thought it, I just thought it was, uh, you know, it was a, it, it was definitely a leap ahead of what I was doing before, um, but, um, and it's called Speculation, I don't know if for some reason, like, it's an answer record to rumors, but, um, I mean, it's really not an answer record to rumors. It doesn't sound at all like rumors, but I, you know, just I guess because the name speculation, I said, oh, okay, you know. I mean, I had that title, and uh, you know, when I would make CDRs of it for people or um, sell them at shows, I would say this album is better than rumors, you know, which is you know an arrogant thing to say because you you don't you don't have uh, an album that's better than rumors. I mean, that's such a quality record, and it's so oh, so well put together. I think that's what I meant by slick. I mean, I I was paying more attention to engineering and mixing, and uh, so that's I I guess you know that's how I I envisioned making a record, and it's a record that's all about music it's every song references music in some way and that makes it a little more personal than some of the other records um you know like like winter transport that's just about like you know being morbid <laughs> so it's not really that one i i found haven't had a newfound i gained an even bigger respect for the album rumors when i had um uh, I have a had a casita where I had these big ma- mahogany long shelves that were held up by cinder blocks, which I still have. But um, uh, I guess once in the middle of the night, one of the cinder blocks just crumbled, and when I came, uh, when I when I came into the casita, I mean there were like dust covers still floating in the air. There was like dust settling, and there were like all these distressed records like being bent way back out of shape, you know, or covers are getting crunched up. It was like a, a real emergency uh, um, mission going in there. And on top of this whole heap of rubble of displaced albums and, and and you know, records falling out of sleeves, right at the very top of that heap, was a copy of Rumors. I mean, if there was any album that I could have, I could have spared or or lost or like you know, I would only have to run outside of the house to find somebody with a copy of Rumors. You know, that would be you know, that would be it. But anyway, it it, it just telling you like you know what we're gonna we've survived four breakups in our band we could survive your little cinder block shelf falling down so anyway that's what we uh we start our discussion of um speculation um the chin and tonics are flowing freely now and uh 
and we start off talking about the album cover, which is kind of interesting. So without further ado, back to Shay Steves for speculation. That's an interesting cover too. Uh, it, if you hold it sideways. <laughs> no, look. I'm this serious. is we buried Paul. No, no. I mean, it's a, it's a picture of my the the garage in my gym at the time, but it looked really good side like sideways. You couldn't tell what it was, so I superimposed myself, um, on the the thing sideways. But if so, if you really look at the picture, hold on, um. Um, well, it looks like a subway. That's what I thought it was a subway. That's why. I yeah, no, I, that's why it, it looks like a subway. It just looks really bizarre. But uh, but if but yeah, when you hold it sideways, when you hold it sideways, it's it's really mundane. Um, yeah, no, it's really a parking garage. Right. And it looks like a giant me is is just falling down dead <laughs> in the in the parking garage. Well, you, you did bottom of the escalator. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. So, uh... Yeah, yeah, it looks like you're coming up an escalator in a subway. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, that jacket... So, I was really into the OJs when I was doing this record. So, the jacket belonged to, uh, Walter, the OJs. I took it from a picture of him. Well, I didn't have... I don't know. I, didn't, I don't have interview. a leather jacket that looked cool. I thought you stole it on an interview. No, no, no. I did interview one of the OJs. I, I interviewed, uh... Jeez, um, Levert, uh, uh, Levert, um, but, uh, anyway, so, uh, yeah, that's, uh, I don't know why we're starting with the cover, but I don't know, I, that was just, I, well, what, I mean, what? imagine we're unboxing this thing. We're unboxing <laughs> this thing, all right, so if you, and I, I named it Speculation, uh, because, uh, Rumors was already taken. Is there a song called Speculate on this? No, there's a song called Speculate. But Speculate. I, um, originally, 2791 was called uh, Speculation 2791. Uh, originally, this album was supposed to be called 1972 because I was way into <laughs> 1972 and the OJ. So 2791 is 1972 backwards. Somebody actually had an album called 1972 and I was just like, wow, that's so weird. You Did know? they put it out in 1972? No, no, they put it out like a couple of years ago, and maybe, maybe I inadvertently it was a job. Uh, I forget who it was, but uh, inadvertently, uh, maybe I heard that somebody had an album called 1972, and I was just like, "Well, I'm so into 1972 right now." As um, a year. So is this the same mix of if you didn't want me to look at it? Yeah. That you use in the torch show? Yeah, 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 yeah. All these, all these are. But well, the first song is is, is twenty seven ninety one. This was kind of like uh, I was writing. Um, I don't know. Uh, I was writing it around Christmas time for the. So I was already getting a jump ahead on the, the RPM challenge that I was supposed to complete the whole album in the month of February. Yeah. February of twenty thirteen, but I was already. I already had an idea, and it was kind of. To me, it was like a Christmas song. I was trying to write really... It just seemed like a really happy song. If you didn't want me to look at no, it? No! No! We, get with me. We're on the first track. Oh, the first I see song the one was that's up there. No, I well, that's... played it. Oh. No, that was like the free song that I let people have for free. Um, no, 2791 is the first song, and it's... it's uh, Now, uh, is this us? No. No, so no. We, 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 we Yeah, we re-recorded 2791... For the second San Jacinto prison band album called Unfreedom Rock. And um, when I was doing this, actually, you know who looms large on this record? Because of um, our friend Tina Watsky. She was taking some music, um, you know, business class and had interviewed me. For, for the her business class, right? Yeah. And she was asking me all these questions about music and how it, uh, you know, how it impacted my life and stuff. And so, so I, I thought, man, why don't I just do a whole album with songs about music? And the first song, 2791, it's subtitled, parenthetically, 
parenthetically, yeah, I see that. a new delivery system. So I was thinking about in the future, how are we going to receive music? You know, are we going to just have a little chip put into our so head? So what year was this? Uh, 2013. Oh, okay. So I was thinking to write a happy song about the future and trying to figure out, I wonder what the... It, it, you know, the song, it, it's like I'm wondering what the new delivery, music delivery system is going to be, but I don't know. And the song doesn't say that, but the song makes predictions about Tupperware in the future that we're not going to need it because everything will stay fresh yes. in the country air. And uh, and we're not, we're, we could check our boxes next to who we want to be. And, you know, it's kind of a happier version of the year 2525. Well, that would have to be. Yeah. <laughs> All right, well, let's hear it. Let's hear how different it sounds from the San Jacinto version. Come on, step aside. I'm not waiting for the future. Because that's where we'll be spending the rest of our time. time. So I mean, but that's basically you know, so that that's that's opening up the record, um, um, songs about music. It, it's it's kind of a you know, interesting subject to try to write. You know, it's like you don't have paintings about paintings. <laughs> you know, you do have books about writing. You know? There are paintings about paintings. Yeah, like what? There's an Escher painting of him drawing his hands, drawing his hands. Oh, okay. Yeah, for one thing. Yeah. And then you've got those other things where, what do they, I don't know what they call that. But someone is drawing a picture of themselves and then in that picture someone's drawing a picture of themselves and in that picture yeah, someone's, someone's drawing a picture of themselves. I think there's a name for it and I can't remember what it is. It's forever. It's LSD is what it is. I think I'm not really sure. Yeah. Okay. So now the next the next song is uh, the Amnesia Record Club, and I was drawing parallels between how I used to join record clubs yes. to when I started illegally downloading music, <laughs> and it was this. You know, it was. This, uh, I mean. Um, for like for record clubs, I joined the Columbia Record Club, and I was a real bastard in that one. 
uh, no, worse than RCA. I joined the RCA record club, and I just kept joining friends and getting three free selections every time I joined a friend. Yeah. And uh, I never bought anything. Well, that's okay. Yeah. I, I was but, but in my defense, RCA, this was like during the energy crisis or something, and they had the shittiest vinyl of any... I mean, I still have the albums that I have from there, and they're like, you know. You were talking about, we were talking about the Flexi Discs? Yeah, RCA, RCA uh, Flexi Discs. I remember when they came out, uh, there's some reissues that they had put out on there, and I've got a few of them still, but you can almost see through them. It's unbelievable. And trying to take them off the spindle, like you said, I mean, it was... (laughs) Yeah, it's like a bowl, you're like holding a bowl. But, uh... The thing, the thing I remember most about the RCA Record Club is I had ordered Diamond Dogs by David Bowie. And yeah. I had the album, and the label said Diamond Dogs. But when I played it, it was the best of Jim Reeves, Volume 3. <laughs> you know? So you look, you, 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 you're, you're waiting to hear future legend end in the death as the last few corpses lay rotting over the slimy thoroughfare. You're hearing Bimbo by... Bimbo, Bimbo, where are you going to go now? So, Snowflake. No, I think it was Snowflake. And I just like, just about... Like, I, I, I put the record on and then I just sat down and I heard Snowflake. And I was like, holy shit, what the fuck? And I think maybe what maybe it did say... Maybe did the label did say it was the best chicken. By, by... Also, at that time, I we got a cassette... No, we got an 8-track tape. And it said Simon and Garfunkel, what was that, 3 a.m., some kind oh, of... Oh, Wednesday morning, 3 a.m. Which must have had some hits on it. It was their, their first album before the Sounds of Silence. They had an acoustic version of Sounds of Silence before they overdubbed but it. But there must have been a hit on it. No, no it was before they were famous. It, was, it came out in 1964. Oh, well, it was another Paul Simon record, I think. Simon and Garfunkel record. And we put that in the car, and it was actually Miles Davis, Miles in the Sky... <laughs> and and that changed my whole fucking life. I mean, you know, putting that in there, it, it was just like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> and, and that changed my whole fucking. Well, life. you know, it didn't. It's hearing Jim Reeves it was and, not. A, did, no, it didn't give you the religious experience. Didn't have, I didn't have that same religious experience. <laughs> no. that you had. because volume by volume three. I mean, they're scraping the bottom of the barrel. Well, he, he was already dead by well, volume. He, he was probably two. dead by yeah. yeah. <laughs> And I was never a big Jim Reeves fan, except oh, for a couple tunes. Yeah, I mean, he he'll have to go. I mean, four walls. Yeah, four walls. Okay, I mean, I got buttonholed by some some guy from Louisiana. We were talking about Jim Reeves. And you like four walls? Four walls. I, I I love that one. Yep. Yeah. So so but but then uh, I was working at this place, uh, and it would have been about uh, two thousand and. Six or seven or whatever, and this guy turned me on to like uh, what was it called Frostbite or something or one of those like Frosty the Alvary King. No, or, no, no. Or, it was a wet. It was like it was like a, a torrent bit torrent site. Oh, I don't know what it was, but it was all of a sudden it was like he says, "Yeah, really, you could find any song you want, and you just download it onto your computer." And and at first I was like really noble about it because I was like trying to download things that were hard to get her out of print you know yeah you know and uh and that's how i kind of justified it and pretty soon i've been downloading hundreds of songs there was a generation of whatever generation it was i remember the kid because i was in a band with some younger people and the kid came over to my house and he just showed me that he never bought he never had to buy anything ever again yeah and that that was the beginning and the end of the recording I know, and it's like, and it's 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 true because it destroyed everything. But but at the time, I was just like, you know, I was buying forty fives just to to like because I like to collect songs that were in the top one hundred. So I was buying forty fives, you know, songs I didn't even know what they sounded like just to hear them, you know. Well, there was no YouTube. Yeah, there was no YouTube. There's no way, you know, and so. uh so in order to make these big mix discs, like now I have a playlist and it'll be like a whole day worth of songs that were in the winter of 1965 or whatever. So, I mean, this was great for me, you know, but, you know, eventually you know, I just realized, I mean, you know, you know, watch out what you wish for. Cause I mean, then it destroyed it, the whole, everything within a couple everything. of years, you know, within a couple then, of years. like I, ne- I lost the whole thing of, 
the rarity of holding a record in my hand and getting excitedly putting it on. Getting any kind of liner notes or, or information see, yeah. about the session. Or... Yeah. But, you know, at that point, I'd already had enough time for that, you know, so. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. But, yeah, so that's like, you know, you get a million records and you don't pay a penny. <laughs> or you pay a yeah, penny. Yeah, but I, I was thinking about that because of the song, you, because of this very song you had did it last night. And um, they were making money. I mean, basically, it was good for them because it just inflated the sales numbers. I mean, it didn't make make any difference if they collected the money. Yeah. So matter except the fact that they said, "Oh, we got a million seller now," because they just pumped it out to everybody. I mean, yeah. you know. So uh, I'm sure that was great for accounting. Oh yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, but it, it created shit like Spotify, where now everybody's just. Oh no no! I meant the record club. Oh, the record club. Oh, yeah. The record club. Yeah, no. The I mean, it was like a lost leader. I mean, everybody got, everybody in the world had a copy of Johnny Mathis' Greatest Hits and, and whatever the hell else they had. Right. What is, what, like. That made, that inflated, I mean. That, the thing, yeah. The funny thing is with the difference between the Columbia House one and the RCA one was the RCA one, you you only had to buy like six albums and three, you know, it was le- it was a lower thing, but they gave you less records. But the Columbia Give you a record club. Record. Yeah, and and pretty soon, like you'd get to like nine or ten selections, and sometimes you'd be like, "Do I really want a best of Jim Croce?" And then you go like, "Oh, all right, you know." I what I what I did was I read the fine print, and it said that they would give you any record, mm-hmm. and I bought a Schwann catalog, and so anything I ever dreamt about, as long as you could enter the Schwann catalog number in that Columbia Record Company, a club thing, yeah, they would send you that record. Wow. So, I mean, I ended up with Miss Aluba. I ended up with a whole bunch of really esoteric things that I had read about and classical music and other things that they weren't offering in there because I couldn't even find 12 records I wanted in the Columbia yeah. record thing. But but because I read that they would give you any record, they would give you 12 records, then it didn't have to be from the from the chart. Yeah. I took advantage of that. You know what I would do? It was like I would, I, whatever they sent us, the... Uh, the um, um, selection of the month, you yeah. Know, like, like, like in the song, I say the thing about getting Helen ready. In Hugo concert. Winterhalter goes Hawaiian. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> well, so now I joined it. It was like seventy five. So I got there was Helen ready. I remember Helen ready getting a two record set of Helen ready in concert, and that you know I I thought that was horrible, but now I I, I would have liked probably listening to Helen ready. Um, and uh, Angie Baby was good last night. It was really yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. I did Angie Baby last night. I tried to do all her her facial expressions. Um, <laughs> but what I would do is I would get this whatever the selection of the month was. I would uh, would swap it with a record of mine that I wanted to get rid of and and would keep the the selection. Like if it was something I liked. Oh, you mean you just take your record, stick it in the sleeve, and send it back to him? I would stick it in the box, say return to sender, and send it back. Yeah. So I took, uh, what did I, what did I get? I think I got, I think I got like still crazy after all these years or something. And I, I was, I'm really surprised that the record company, the record club lasted that long. Yeah. I don't remember it. There are, you know, it's, it's funny. They were, there are, there are people that collect that stuff and, and there was a, a, they went as far as like. 1987, like they're like, wow, and then no, then there were CD clubs. In the 90s, I joined a, a CD club. I don't know. They probably I was probably. Uh, I don't even remember what happened. I mean, they must have just folded because I never bought any CDs, but I got a bunch of CDs for free. So anyway, I think maybe I did. Was that BMG? BMG, yeah. I think I did do that. Yeah, I got a bunch of good records. What was it? Let's see. I got. I know I got a bunch. I filled out a, a bunch of Queen. I got a bunch of Queen albums. I got Hugh Masekela records. I got. I was way into the Moody Blues and when I was nineteen seventy five. So I got and and like the Moody Blues and Yes had both like, went on hiatus and they all put out solo albums. So I got like really lousy solo albums by, you know. <laughs> You know, Steve Justin Hayward. Yeah. What was his name? Was it Justin, Justin Hayward? Yeah, no, that one was actually good. 
I'm thinking of the other guys. Uh, all right, well, let's, uh, let's... The guys that didn't sing go now? The, the guys that... Yeah, all... <laughs> Yeah, there's B.B. King, Albert King, and there's another King. Freddie King. Freddie King must have done. No, Albert King did Snow Cone. Okay, go ahead. What, what we, are you talking about? Snow, I thought we said something about Snowball, Snow... Something. Snowflake. No, that was Snowflake. what I was about Jim Reeves. That's right. You said that, and then I thought about uh, uh, one of the Kings. Oh. One of the Three Kings. The three Kings. All right, the next song is If You Didn't Want Me to Look At It, mm. You Should Have Shown It To Me. Uh, this is my friend... 
You, you remember my friend Babs? Yeah. She, her dad was a banjo player, and she like let me hang on to this banjo, um, and uh, I wrote this song. This is one of the first songs. The first thing I did on the banjo was write. Did he play? Wait a minute. Did he play at Beefsteak Charlie's? Who? Her father. No, I don't get it. Well, they had a band. They had a band at Beefsteak Charlie's. Yeah. No. That is, that is an association that's way, <laughs> way beyond what... And I think you're reaching for like, you know, like like we'll be talking about banjos and then all of a sudden I said, um, Ooh, it's a didn't, didn't, didn't he once own a ball peen hammer? And, <laughs> no. Like, no, there was a, there was a, uh, forget, uh, there was a restaurant down in Manhattan too. Beefsteak Charlie, yeah, you know, I actually got into, uh, 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 I told my sister that beef, the guy that, Played beefsteak Charlie was a Shakespearean actor, and he wasn't. There wasn't a. There wasn't really a beefsteak Charlie, and she was crestfallen. Crestfallen. I'll feed you like there's no tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> Me and my friends went to beefsteak Charlie's, and we actually tapped them out of all the sangria you could drink. We totally cleaned them out. So guess what? So I took. A it was date. a Saturday night. They had to close down. I had. I took a date to beefsteak Charlie's one time, and you yeah. know how they have all the shrimp you can eat. Yeah. They all had veins in them. Ugh. Every single one. They had just like they had just like a barrel of shrimp. So on, they do on that ice. so you won't eat. Yeah, they had a barrel of shrimp on ice, and and you know so oh great. You take a look, and every one had a fucking waist vein in it. Oh. <laughs> <gosh>. <laughs> and so you know, I think they will probably just take them off your plate, scrape them back into that same barrel, you know, for the next night. Throw oh, some more man. ice on top of them. <laughs> well, they didn't have that luxury with the the sangria. No, we no, just, the sangria we, went. We just yeah, we just cleaned them out. Um, but anyway, so this song is just about uh, um, me. It's really not a song about music, actually. It's just me being excited about the banjo. And and uh, the first, you know what? This is interesting. When I first picked up the banjo, I thought, I don't know. I, I don't know if I was thinking about Darktown, Stroder's Ball or whatever. But I said, I, I, the first song I learned how to play on the banjo was Love Train. Because it's only three chords. <laughs> and I'm like... Which I think, you know. But if you picked it, if you had a picking pattern, but it would have been great. Yeah. But it was, um, and then after that, I did that, and I figured out in a song by the Impressions to play. And Wait then, a minute. There's, there's well, I suppose three chords. Yeah. There's, okay, there's a fourth chord in the turnaround. Right, turnaround. Which, you got two, five, one. Yeah. The, but anyway, uh, and then this song was if you didn't want me to look at you. So it's it's kind of my answer to people who, who probably have an aversion to banjos. I'm like, well, you shouldn't have shown me the banjo. <laughs>
So wait a minute, that's not the same mix you use for the torch. Uh, well, I, I put an ending on it. It's not the same mix, though, is it? Well, it's an instrumental mix. But it sounds totally different. I mean, it's mastered. To Maybe it's the mastering, but it sounds totally different. Well, both things are mastered. It's just, it's the same tape. I mean, it's the same. Well, it sounds totally different. Mm. I don't know why. Well, the levels are probably different because there's no, there's no vocals on them. You know, I guess, but but mix. everything is much more. Yeah, you like that better than the karaoke mix? No, I like the karaoke mix because that uh, and also that the karaoke mix has that weird kind of like it just ends abruptly. You know, um, you know, there's it's not the best vocal, but I they had one. Uh, you'll catch your death out in the sweltering sun, and I I my voice whistled when I said <laughs> yeah. S word like like alfalfa like. Let me call you sweetheart. Yeah. So that's why I kept that vocal track. So what? What? So what? But what is that thing that that sounds like? What's that chordal thing that's like a synthesizer or something? Mm, you mean that? No. Oh, it's a vo. It's a keyboard voice. It's like ooh. It's like. Oh, that's really nice. It sounds very synthesized, and it sounds like a square wave. In a yeah, no, it's, it's. I guess it's female voices. It female. doesn't sound like it's, it's... But it's like a keyboard, and it was a... What patch is that? Uh, I don't know. Well, something in reason, I guess. Oh, because that's pretty nice. It's really psychic. It, it's... It's very psychedelic. This song is very psychedelic. Yeah. Yeah, I enjoy it. All right, so next is uh, You Can Love a Song. Okay, this is definitely Gamble and Huff territory all the way. Uh, I did record this song... Uh, I also had a version with me and you know our friend Hillary, yeah. Hillary Dawn. She 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 sang a version with me, but then I did a couple. I uh, did another recording with my friend Jerry Duggar from yes. New York, who played Joey Miserable and the Worms and the Mighty Mighty. Well, he he was Sweet he made an appearance last night on the Torch Show. Right. So now, um, um, uh, he's I, I he's got yeah. He's, I remember him telling me he was a descendant of Paul Robeson, or somehow Paul Robeson is in his family. And he has a beautiful baritone. I said, he I does. Gotta, I got to have him in there. And if if I have him in there, then I could do my most gravelly, you know, sort of rough voice. So 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 basically, it's like I want them to be sandpaper to his um, velvet. And Hillary turns up at the end of the song, so you can hear all three of them. But anyway, the gist of the song is that uh, you could write a love song and it's not going to make somebody fall in love with you, but you could still ha you still have the song and then you could be in love with the song. Okay. Well, Sounds you know, good. I mean, you know, no, I like how many people like break up with a girl and says, "I'm going to win her back and I'm going to write this song." Uh, you know, it's never it, it never works. It never works out that way. Denise, you know, except listen to the words of this song. What's that? <laughs> it's like the, the, the dedication radio. Oh, yeah. The guy reads your dedication. Long distance dedication. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that never works. I mean, it's, it's like it's like the, uh, the musical equivalent of somebody. Well, the, the guy, the, one of the guys from Toto wrote Rosanna for Rosanna Arquette. Yeah. And she was so embarrassed and, 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 and freaked out about it, she dropped him. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's usually the result. But... You know what? He can still be in love with the song. Well, he can still make millions of dollars. He can still make millions of dollars and be and love that song like it's <laughs> yeah. like it's one of his children. There you go. So so there you there's, go. There's our point. Okay. So. <laughs>
It's a lesson never learned When that long year returns I see your face I try to place you in my life What if I meet surround And the rhythm's out for My creation alone could make you mine Songs won't make you love someone But you fix those vocals on the the there's like so many parts you know like it just needs to be kind of like well you got the tracks yeah i have the tracks that's one i want i would like to go back and fix because it's just i have all these vocal parts and it's like i don't know you know it's it should just be really streamlined you know well maybe but i was trying to include jerry i was trying to include hillary and then i was trying to do these other parts and i don't know it's just too much but uh, anyway, I think it's a good song. Yeah. No, I like it a lot. That was a good one. I think it sounds very gamble and Um The next song. Oh, the next song is another autobiographical music song. This is the first time I auditioned for a band. And um, it was like one of those like high school band kind of situations. And uh, I... Uh, it was it, it, this in, in the song I keep referring to this guy as Yellow Teeth Pete because that's all I remember about this guy. It was a guy named Pete that had yellow teeth. Hence his name. Hence his nickname. But he <laughs> never knew I called him that. So, uh, and I mean I only saw him that one time. Anyway, I so I auditioned. He was auditioning for a rhythm guitarist for his uh, his band because I had a friend who played bass with him or something. Yeah. And he was going to put together a band to play high school dances and stuff, right? Yeah. So I go to audition as a rhythm guitarist, you know. And uh, and then he's, you know, saying, well, well you, you sing, of course, right? Why else would you be a rhythm guitarist if you don't sing? You know, like, <laughs> like a rhythm guitarist has to multitask, you know. He can't just be a rhythm guitarist. Sure. So we said, well, sing. And I'm like, I never, like, I mean, I never sang in a microphone before. And I got shocked the first time. You were shocked by your voice? No, I got shocked by the microphone. You got shocked it wasn't, by the microphone. It wasn't grounded. <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, and plus, the song he made me sing was More Than a Feeling, which is like, 
You know, I'm not a Castrato. Yeah, I know. That's not a very easy song. Yeah, it's not a very easy. And it was one of those things where I got up to the microphone and I was like, and nothing came out, you know? (laughs) And so that was basically. I bet he couldn't sing more than a feeling. No, no, who could sing more than a feeling, you know? Just the guy who sang it. That was it. The guy in Boston. So that's why this song is called I Can't Sing Boston. We had a gig. My cousin and I had a gig with this guy who hired us to play someplace. And he called out songs that were the most difficult songs. Of, and, I mean, we could do, we knew thousands of songs, but the songs he called, unless you had gone through them recently with someone, yeah, you know, it's not something you would call on the bandstand. A lot of key changes, lots of, you know, billions and billions of chords. I think one of them, and, um, and when it came, then he would count it out and then he wouldn't play. <laughs> So, I mean, he wanted to hear these songs, but yeah. he couldn't actually play he them. Couldn't actually play and he would, call, he would call them out because you were supposed to be able to just conjure them up. But he would discreetly, like, leave the stage almost. <laughs> oh, wow. oh. Uh, that ain't right. No. Uh, we still talk about it to this day. Um, okay, so here we are with... I can't sing Boston. I can't sing Boston. Okay, it doesn't sound at all like Boston. You tell me. We'll play the song, and then on the other on the other side of it, you tell me what what, what you think I'm I'm trying to sound like. slicker than it than it actually is i'm hearing a lot of mistakes <laughs> i'm just like stuff where like oh you know why don't you just fix that well it's interesting because it's kind of sparse for your stuff you think so yeah well that song you mean that song in particular or just uh, in general this record? i think well maybe this record but i know that certainly this song i mean 
you know, it could be tightened up and everything, but yeah. I mean, it's got discrete parts. There's nothing really. There's no. Yeah, no. I think I th- when I listen to it's this, all business. I think when I'm listening to this, I'm so into listening to the songs. I'm not listening to and, and I don't know. I mean, just things seem to be have, have escaped quality control. Like I, I, I always envisioned this as being a lot slicker than any of the other things I have, but it's, it has a lot of imperfections in here. Okay, so then the next. The imperfections well, are... they're not distracting. Okay, but yeah, but like, uh, there's no rule that See, says you, I can't go, no, go back there and fix fun. this shit. I, I think that it'd be... What, I think basically even using some of the tracks that are here would be... We could tighten that up and be really great. Because I think the mixes drift towards the right. Yeah. All right, the next song is called Music I Want to Thank. And a lot of parenthetical titles on this record. This one's called Music, in parentheses, I Want to Thank You. And I actually found an acapella version of a song called Music, I Want to Thank You, that's completely different from this. By you or by someone? Well, while I was preparing this song, by me, I was preparing this song for the the Human Torch show, and I found this mix that I completely forgot where I sang everything acapella, like, um, you know, doing bass and boom, 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 boom. You know, it sounded like uh, Mr. Sandman or something. It's pretty good, actually. But this one was... Um, That's a pretty incredible song. Uh, this one, uh, uh, th- this this song has to deal with that questionnaire that I... Uh, uh, that uh, Tina, uh, you know, asked me to fill, you know... Yes. You know, to do her interview. And... Uh, and it was a day where I felt like maybe music wasn't wasn't so good to me. <laughs> you know, I was like, well, what have you have you gotten out of music? What you wanted music to? Music very very good to that, me. Yeah, and I, well, in this one, I was trying to I was trying to like you know be like music. You know, I want to thank you, but like I I just like realized that music has also been the thing that's driven people away. From. <laughs> you know, because. Because it's it's you know it's been it's, it's an important part of your life, but sure, then sure. you know if somebody's in your life that doesn't feel the same way about exactly. music, how do you deal with them? You know, They're not very well. Yeah, and you're <laughs> kind of yeah, and you kind of like you know, bid them adieu, but then you're like you know I got feel like I went you know, and so this was written on a particular day where I was kind of trying to uh, be optimistic about like all the things that music brings to my life, but then all the things that it takes away from me as well. So. Always there for me 
the phased panning from speaker to speaker effect, which is uh, something I get from the audacity of uh, shareware. I mean, it's free. It's a, a free thing, and I use it to fade out all my recordings. And, uh, you know, I have to be stopped from putting that phase thing on, <laughs> on, uh, on every fade out because it sounds so cool. Anyway, that was the first half of uh, speculation. And I should say, um, Steve alluded uh, to the, in, the, um, in the discussion uh, that, that I, we'd just done the Human Torch Floor Show uh, last week where we did a bunch of songs from here. Um, and to be honest, this album didn't get a lot of, uh, uh, in terms of performing the, uh, the songs live. Um, I think uh, the band that I had, the Serene Dominic and the Gem Seekers, I mean, I think we did Amnesia Record Club once or twice. And um, I think that's about it. Uh, oh, and then later on, San Jacinto Prison Band did a version of 2791. But the Human Torch, oh my, uh, uh, some of these songs, uh, if you didn't want me to look at it, and uh, you sexy, sexy, sex fiend, those, um, those songs got, you know, uh, used on Human Torch shows. But now with the uh, having a weekly live cast for however long I do this, uh, it's been fun because I got, I've gotten to uh, present songs like I don't I don't I can't sing Boston and music which I've never been performed at all and uh, it's you know I'm liking it I'm liking it a lot I hope you do too um, it's time for us to go for now but uh, we'll reconvene um, for part two and then we're gonna have a special uh part three of just outtakes because there are a lot of outtakes from this record which could make a whole other record itself but anyway uh this is serene dominic saying uh stay safe stay healthy and we'll see you uh next time for part two of speculation on serene dominic gets played by onus playhouse bye bye